You're listening to Sustainable Ports, a podcast where we discuss sustainability from a port and shipping perspective. I'm Jenny Folkunga from the port of Trelleborg in Sweden. I always feel that ports are one big family, you know, and I think, you know, other ports are an extension of that family as well. It's, it has to be joined up. Um, we, we can't just focus on the ship, we have to focus on the port infrastructure as well. I think there's one thing we've learned is that change is constant. Nothing nothing ever stays the same forever. Um, so I think as, as a company, we've certainly learned to, to adapt to, to the changes. The port of Liverpool was home to the White Star Line and thus the home port of the RMS Titanic and many other of the most notable ships in history. But today, it's also home to the terminals of one of the shipping companies operating in our port in Trelleborg, Stena Line. During some cold but beautifully sunny days in November, we visited them at their terminal in Birkenhead with our internal education program, the Trelleborg Port Academy. There's a saying that a jack of all trades is a master of none. But that could not be further from the truth when it comes to Pete. His career and experiences cover everything from fuel engineering to quality management, environment, sustainability, security and safety. He's been with Stenaline for just over three years, and he's now the group port safety manager. His responsibilities, therefore, span over a large geographical area and a big number of ports. But he manages all of his responsibilities with an impressive cool and calm. It's quite a big job title. It was probably one of the biggest job titles in Stenaline. Um, but I always say, you know, I'm the safety coach, I'm the environmental coach, I'm the security coach. So my role I've always seen is to, is to coach the port managers, the port operations managers in our various ports. And they're doing it to the day-to-day management of health and safety or security or environmental management. Though the title is quite daunting, I'm there to support the guys in our various port locations and to make their life as easy as possible by giving the knowledge on that they may not have themselves. That's how I see my role. As a certified ISO auditor, one of Pete's big successes at Stena has been establishing a waste management system, achieving an impressive 100% recycling rate for one of their UK ports, and 95% in some of their others. He explained to me how they use their quality work to achieve those results and how other ports can do the same. One of our ports, it's it's zero waste going to landfill, and that's in our Hollyhead port. So we have a very good relationship with our waste contractor and everything is recycled. Our other ports, we're operating at 95% of all waste produced by the port and, and, and by the ships is, is recycled. So we have very little going to landfill. We, we want to try and improve that and we're working with our, our waste contractors. But we in, in our Hollyhead port, that's what we've achieved. Wow, that's fascinating. Is that the waste produced in port or from the ships as well? Both, both yeah. It's a benefit. Fits of um, Hollyhead's one of our biggest ports, and, and, and we are quite a big employer in the in the area. Um, so we do have a good relationship with our waste contractor, and they do have a, a very good facility where they are able to recycle all our waste for us. It's been a lot of work by the port team in particular, but it's, it's something we're proud of. Zero percent goes to landfill on, on that in that port. How long have you been working on that project? It must have been quite a journey. We first attained ISO certification back in 2017, I believe. Um, we, we've maintained that and, and our sort of yearly objectives is to reduce our, our waste and certainly reduce the amount of go to landfill. And over the last couple of years, we've been able to do that with, with zero landfill. It was a challenge during the pandemic, obviously with the amount of plastic usage that went up and, and sort of the medical waste that went up, but we are able to do that now, yeah. How did the ISO part help you in achieving those results? I think it's um, 
it gave us the structure and it, it gave um, the, the port management team and, and sort of me, myself that sort of ability to use the certification to speak to our waste contractors and the local authorities and, and, and use the standard to improve ourselves. So we could basically, we could audit our waste contractors to ensure that they were following their, what they say we were doing and, and following what we agreed. So as part of it, what I do is with the port management team and Hollyhead, we'll, we'll go and audit our waste contractors to make sure that they are doing what they say they're doing. It's like our sort of chain of custody for all the waste that we, we produce. So we, we, we followed that from when it's produced in the port or when it, the ship produces it in the ports and we followed that all the way through so it's actually been recycled. That sounds like a lot of work. It is. Um, it's a lot of work for some people. I just oversee it, thank, <laughs> thankfully. But it, it is a lot of work. But we do have, um, we have good processes in place uh, and we do have a, a very good working relationship with the contractor. No two ports are the same, but there are always things that we can learn from each other. And that is certainly the case with Stena's waste management system. We can learn a lot from the way that Stena has achieved their success. In our port in Trelleborg, our proximity to the town and its inhabitants is our biggest challenge. For example, regarding noise pollution. In Liverpool, noise is not so much of an issue, but some other, sometimes completely unexpected and unforeseen challenges are. The biggest challenge for us would be any sort of, any spill of oil to water. That would be the biggest challenge for us, but we do have access to the, the Harbour Authority's sort of professional contractors, so we could, if need be, if we do have an oil spill from the ship, we can put booms out and we can use, use equipment to recover do all quite quickly but that's that's something we we, we plan for quite often uh, and we train for all of our ports in fact in the uk they have interceptors so all the drains go into interceptors so we do have a spill within the port it's contained it's it's never 100 perfect but we have very little opportunity for harm to the waterways again it's something we we train actively for um but thankfully it's something that happens very rarely for us uh, and if it does happen it's 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 very minor we, we've not really had any significant sort of spills of incidental line we have we've had a, a few incidents. We had an incident sort of about a year, eighteen months ago, where we had a, a trailer of bone meal come into the port, but it was still quite hot and it's self-combusted. Basically, it was crushed animal bones, um, but it was a big bulk trailer. The, the local fire service attended. They stripped the trailer out and then they doused the bone meal down. The seagulls had a whale of a time feeding on it. <laughs> That's why the seagulls round here have big muscles on the wings and stuff um, because they eat quite well. So yeah, but that was that was quite a messy cleanup operation for us. Quite time consuming as well because basically we had to sort of empty the trailer out and, and strip all the bone meal out uh, and the fire service has to douse it down just to, to, to cool it down. Seagulls did help though. <laughs> that just goes to show that you can never prepare for everything. A couple of days later I had to I had to jet wash the, uh, the terminal building, shall we say. <laughs> In Liverpool, the difference between high and low tide is a whooping 11 meters, and that poses some unique challenges that requires advanced technological solutions to allow for safe loading and unloading operations. What I got to see today when we were visiting your port is that Mother Nature is very much keeping you on your toes uh, with a tide difference of, of 11 meters. How do you deal with, with conditions that are that varied in 24 hours? It's a well-engineered port. We, we train for it. The guys are, are used to working in this environment. Um, we have set procedures for certain conditions. You know, so if there are high winds, we don't use the the high trailers on the upper link spans. We have a set of protocols for dealing with the changeable conditions that we have here. But again, it, the stevedores here are well trained, and they're, they're, as, as we know, stevedores are, are are quite a breed, and and they're well capable of dealing with quite quite tough conditions that sometimes I won't want to go out my office sometimes for. But they're well used to dealing with the conditions, and you know, it's something that we we monitor closely. We monitor the weather conditions and the tidal conditions quite quite regularly in, in the port. 
sports and it's something the lads are well trained for we, we practice um, scenarios and, and the lads go through sort of yearly assessments um, particularly with the mooring because you've, you've seen the mooring arrangement that we have here it's quite unique with the guys sort of elevated on, on sort of mooring platforms above the river so we, we, we do regular training with them quite often The term stevedore is quite a particular term that everyone might not be familiar with stevedore is the title given to those who work in ports with loading and unloading ships but it varies a bit between countries in Australia, they're called dockers or wharfies. In the US and Canada, they're referred to as longshoremen. But in the UK and many other places, they are often referred to as stevedores. It's a bit of an odd name, but it actually comes from the Portuguese word estivador, which means a man who loads ships and stows cargo. Stevedoring is a profession with a very long history. And I asked Pete how he sees their role changing in the future. Quite a challenge, um, as you know, Liverpool is quite a quite a big maritime city with, with quite a big history. Um, you know, and in the docks, there were thousands of people who worked. It was it was dangerous. It was very dangerous many many years ago. So we, you know, as as all ports, you know, we've improved uh, over the years and technology has developed, and particularly with containerisation. So the amount of stevedores that work in ports now has, has, has reduced dramatically uh, with containerisation. So it was a challenge and technology moves on all the time. And even 10 years ago, the mooring arrangement here was different. We, we didn't have as many powered capstans as we have now. So we're using technology as much as possible and we're using sort of engineering aids to help to help the guys reduce the risk of them being injured. So we use a lot of mechanical aids now to, to bring the ropes ashore. But we're always looking to improve as well because ultimately safety is our, our number one priority. So we are always looking to find ways to improve, to improve the safety of the guys. With Stevedore and obviously our Stevedore's will drive the railroad tractors around the port. In 50 years' time, will those railroad tractors have drivers? They may be autonomous, so whether that's 10, 20, 30 years away, I, I can see the railroad tractors being autonomous. It'll improve safety, but again, it, you know, the consequence, it might not have as many stevedores working in the port as what we do at the moment. We like to um, upskill the guys as much as possible. We try to encourage learning and development within the teams. I think it's important for us as a company to retain our staff. So we, we do train as much as possible and we like to give the staff as much training opportunities for, for further progression within the company. Um, so there will be opportunities for guys to retrain into different roles. And, and, and I'm sure as, as technology develops and more technology comes into the port, we'll be looking for sort of more people to work around that kind of field. So it may be that in 30 years' time, we don't have as many stevedores, but we may have you know people sort of sat at a control bank and they're, they're monitoring the autonomous tugs driving around the port and doing things like that. So yeah, no, there'll, there'll be further opportunities for, for the guys to develop, yes. The stevedore profession is not the only part of the industry that might be seeing significant changes over the coming decades. In fact, the entire marriage time industry needs to adapt in face of the climate crisis and it has to revolutionize itself. The stenosphere has a long tradition of being ambitious when it comes to sustainability and Pete explained to me what their plans and goals are for what's to come. We do have an ambition by 2030 to reduce our CO2 emissions by 30% so we are looking at the railroad tractors we are we're actively looking at different options in terms of how they're powered be it um, battery technology be it hybrid or be it potentially hydrogen in the future but what we can do as a short term to sort of help meet our goals is that we can move over to biodiesels which will reduce our co2 emissions quite significantly it's a lot more expensive um but i think you know it's something that we're going to do because it's it helps us meet our sort of targets to reduce co2 emissions but we're working with the tug manufacturers to sort of identify future technologies 
for the railroad tractors, be it um, battery technology or potentially hydrogen. I'm, I'm a quite a big fan of hydrogen. I think it's potentially the fuel of the future. I think that the challenges of hydrogen is the, is the infrastructure around hydrogen and how we extract hydrogen and how we store hydrogen. But I think as a fuel, it's, it's, it's the fuel of the future. I think battery technology, I think it would work in some of our ports that don't have as much sort of railroad traffic. I don't think it'd be able to work in this port on, on the Liverpool-Belfast route because we have such a high amounts of unaccompanied traffic um, so I don't think that the battery technology would be there for, for some time yet so I, I, I'm a big fan of hydrogen I think if we have this conversation in, in 30 years time we'll see we look back and see where we were and where we are now I think we'd be quite surprised how much progress we, we can make because I think when you look back through history the human race does adapt and it can change and it can solve the problems that it's it's, it's faced with at the time so I think as well we know it's serious and we know it, we need to do something to, to improve global warming but I also confident that we can do it so I'm, I'm quite excited by the different projects and people cl- much cleverer than me will come up with wonderful ideas and I'll just sort of I think yes that's the one that's the one for that we'll use um, but yeah no it is it is exciting times but, but it's it's as we know it's it's very serious times as well but I think it is exciting times as well. In Trelleborg Stanaline is a shipping company and to us they're a customer so I took the opportunity to ask what they would want from us as a port to be able to lower their ship related emissions. I think I think the fuels options is a big thing. Um, ship to shore power is a big thing. So when the, when the ship's in port, it can connect up to and, and sort of take its power from the shore. I think that that's important for us because then it's it's less emissions in port. Various fuel options is another with um, yourselves in Port Trailberg maybe you know what fuels you're using with the, with the terminal tractors in, in the future as well would be something that, that we'd, we'd be interested in as well definitely Finding the bright side of the most difficult situations is very much Pete's trademark and his positive attitude really showed when I asked him what he likes most about working in the maritime industry uh, The best part is the people being able to sort of travel around the UK travel around Europe uh, and meeting the various people that I do it's it's an absolute joy for me you know and I think people working in the maritime industry are, are pretty cool and I think what I what I like is that I think people working in maritime have a good sense of humor I think they have to have a good sense of humor because of the environment that we work in wherever you work in, in the big maritime cities you know they, they all have great character you know which I which I enjoy you know like Liverpool Belfast Dublin Gothenburg Trailburg <laughs> <laughs> they all have they all have um they all have great character and, and great history and great stories, and, and I enjoy that. It's the people that make it for me. The work and the job is, is, is the work and the job, but if it's the people. And no two days are the same. I always feel that ports are, are one big family, or the ports are an extension of that family as well. They're like cousins almost. We have that connection across across the, the European seas. I think it probably stems back to when you know a few hundred years ago you were invading the UK an awful lot with your with your long boats and your funny hats. <laughs> Um, so I think yeah we've all we've all got a little bit of little bit of Viking in us no doubt in the UK so I think we we we're welcoming of 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 of, um, of people from different countries and so I think it's it's the people is is the most enjoyable part definitely. Well said, I could not agree more. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sustainable Ports. We hope that you'll subscribe and come along next year when we'll meet more interesting and inspiring people who are working with sustainability, shipping, and transport. I can't think of a better way to conclude the year than sending you off with Pete's tip for anybody who's looking to work in the shipping or port industry. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and see you in 2023.
you're looking to, to enter such a diverse industry with lots of opportunities, meeting good people, I, I couldn't recommend it more highly, to, to be honest. I'd love to be in my 20s again. Sadly, that's never going to happen, but I'd, I'd love to be starting out again and, and, and starting in the maritime industry much earlier than what I did. It's, it's a great industry with, with great people and it's got a big future as well, so I, I couldn't recommend it enough. But if you are starting new into this, into this industry, it's the network as much as possible because there'll always be somebody that would be willing to help share their experiences with you uh, and that's, that's certainly something I've learned and you'll soon learn lots of stories and you, you'll learn different things so uh, it's important to network it's one of the biggest things I'd recommend to somebody starting in, in, in this industry definitely.